Well, we don't know of any other offer that's yeah. ever been made to the to Bellinger this offseason. So w with that in mind, uh, we know the Cubs have negotiated a deal. A lot of people say it's been five or six years. It hasn't been substantiated. Uh, I, I think that to start the year, Scott Boris and uh, Bollinger were looking for a $200 million contract. I don't think that's out there. We have heard nothing from Toronto. We've yeah. heard nothing from San Francisco. Uh, Seattle doesn't appear to have the money to sign this. So is, is this a situation right now where they continue to wait each other out, the Cubs and Scott Boris, the agent for Cody Bollinger? Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. That's our guy, Bruce Levine, and he's talking on the Marquee Network, letting you know there's uh, there's no new team, there's no new action, even though it's been reported that, and I don't even know how legitimate such report is, that the Angels uh, have an interest. There are a lot of people that believe that um, – that it's going to be a rough year for Bellinger, that he's due for sort of a... Regression? Yeah, the, the, all the models and the numbers would indicate that he's due for a regression, whether it be with the Cubs or elsewhere. Yeah, I understand And maybe that. that's why people are careful about going over uh, the the $200 million, um, number. I think they thought he was going to get like 250 I don't oh, think I think been there. Early in the pre-offseason, we yeah. speculated wildly about what he might bring in return and maybe we definitely or not maybe we overestimated the market maybe he did too let's get to our special guest uh he of course is uh, our executive producer mr dustin william william rose we didn't he give does, him we didn't give him enough time he does the fly the w podcast yeah. with a uh, friend of the show crowley and he has been known to have strong cubs opinions and earlier in the show yeah yeah, early. We didn't get an opportunity. He felt he was rushed. We did. We rushed him, and we did, we tend to do that. And sometimes we even cut him off. But I think here's the question: And that if he you now, do that, he just stops talking. He just stops talking, so he can give him full platform here. Your dime, your dance floor. Here's a question, just so people can reframe it and we can hear it again. According to reports, the Angels have emerged as a late candidate to sign Cody Bellinger. And last Friday, the Four Letter Network. See how I did that? Because Dustin always says that. The Four Letter Network's Jeff Passan reported that it'll be early February before Boris clients Bellinger, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman signed free agent contracts. Where should the Cubs' concern level be today? That's the weekend, right? Early February. That's like Thursday. Thursday. What's today? Tuesday? Tuesday. We got a couple days. Ah, Thursday, uh -huh. Dustin. Uh-huh. Let me amplify on that a little bit for you, David. Right, thanks. thanks for the invitation, Molly and David. We did talk about this yesterday on the Fly the W670 ah. podcast. It'll be out later today for your consumption, Cub fans. But in regards to Cody Bellinger, and my wife and kids ask me almost every other day, is there news? What's going on? Where is he going? We'll be so upset if he leaves. So if you overpay the guy, it's really bad business move. If he comes in at your price, the Cubs price, you potentially have – a disgruntled player. So that's not good either because he's got people, not necessarily him, but he's going to have people saying, they did you wrong, should have been better than this, next time around. Last year, perfect scenario for him. He needed to be reborn. He needed to be rebranded. And what a better place to do that than here. Good point. And the, and the Cubs fans, for, rightfully so, 
fell in love with him. And we kept asking, we kept playing lineup Easter, and we kept trying to figure out why David Ross, I think when the, the first set of the season, he was batting like seventh, and he slowly kept climbing up. Couldn't bat fourth, because that was Ian Happ's spot. Could never bat could never bat fourth. Ian Happ was third. Was it third? Yeah, it was third. Maybe that's what it was. So he couldn't bat third because that was Ian Happ. Right. But he never batted second. He was batting fourth. You know, can Cody Bellinger take on the pressure of being in the second or third spot? Because if you pay him close to $200 million, mm-hmm. he's batting second or third. He's not batting fifth or sixth or, God forbid, seventh. Right? Can I, can I ask a follow-up? Of course. What makes you think that Cody Bellinger couldn't handle the pressure? What in his past would make you believe that this is somebody that would? Well, he regressed. I mean, he well, was the he was the National League Rookie of the Year. He was a World Series MVP. He's playing in L.A. The Dodgers are expected to basically win it every single year based on talent and money spent, and mm-hmm. he was not living up to expectations. I, I just feel like those are things that were maybe attributed to mechanics, maybe some other things. I just don't look at a guy who's been – an MVP, the Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, as somebody that I'm not worried about him wilting to any pressure. I think maybe the repeatables are a concern. Well, you make a good point about the fear of regression, and it's there. I also am not that concerned, or I'm not as concerned. Kevin makes a good point about me being a little bit nostalgic and you want to overpay because you the house reference and all the memories – I don't worry so much about the Cubs overpaying. I don't ask the question, can they afford him? I ask the question, can they afford not to sign him? Well, that's a great point, right? Because we we saw at one point, I mean, the Cubs did not finish the project last year. They didn't make it to the postseason. And at one point, the offense, as Theo famously said, looked broke. Mm -hmm. And that's when Cody Bellinger was not in the lineup, no matter where, you know, just not in the lineup, period. And it was really bad. And the Cubs offense won't be very good, Unless there's some kind of trade that's going to happen, I don't. I don't see the offense being much better, regardless of who you could still possibly bring in. I mean, Chapman is more of a defensive guy. That's what he. That's what he's known for. It's okay with the stick, but he's better with defense. Okay, they're also talking about um, the former Red Sox and Dodger third baseman Turner is going to make a decision, right? Thirty-eight. It, 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 he's that's it, is that. I mean, I think Cub fans would adore him. He would fall right into it, right? He'd yeah. be great with the fans, and he would solve a little bit of your problem at third base. But he doesn't bring – he's not going to – you know, the Cubs had a power issue. He had a bunch of guys in the 17-18. Patrick Wisdom barely got any at-bats, and he led the team in home runs, right? He's not going to do that again. No. I don't think but so. But, again, you can't you can't just genuflect because Scott Boris wants it. I, They're not negotiating against anybody. The the, the four-letter network report from Jeff Passan mm-hmm. is a plant. That was that was a favor done to the agent for future consideration and information down the line. He floated that for him, in my charge. opinion. That's quite an accusation. That's, that's a major accusation. <laughs> that's I a, said, in my that's opinion. That's a major – that's a major – we can't let that one go. <laughs> yeah. Should I dump that? Dump it. Dump, dump it, it. Dump it. Dump, dump it. it. The Cubs are in a conundrum because they don't want to overpay. It is getting late. Spring training's two weeks from tomorrow. And yet, I do think there's time. I, I do thank you for settling me down this morning, whether it was Mully at 610. Thank you. Or Kevin at 645. 
we have a texter who says that it's called parental syndrome, that <laughs> I was talking to you and you just never listened to it <laughs> because I'm a father figure to you. I think I'm more of like I'm, I'm more of a son like figure to you. You're, you, you're a son like figure to yeah, me. Yeah, you you throw an arm around me and offer me a I don't listen Life to my saver. son either. I don't. No. I need to. Why would you? Oh, I would. Why would I? I uh, <laughs> no, I think that what happened was that I was I answered the pick six question at six fifteen more emotionally than I typically do. And Kevin called me on it rightly a half hour later. You corrected me at the time, and I was too caught up in my feelings to hear you. Um and and I understand your feelings. I really do. I think that it, I I I fear that if they don't get this done, people are going to feel like it was an unsuccessful offseason. I will. Oh, I, I know you will. Uh, but, I mean, I think a lot of people will. I think a lot of people will look at it and say, you brought in the new manager and you're giving him a team that's not as good as the one that played here last year, and that wasn't as good as the team he had in Milwaukee. Because that's not why you got the new manager. Right. We know he can do more with less. We want to see him do more with more. <laughs> and that's why I think theoretically he came to Chicago. Resources. They, they got a lefty reliever yesterday. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah. They found him a driveline. Well, I mean, I, nonetheless, they got one. You I, you said yesterday that you weren't pleased about the relief. Well, you didn't I, I, I care did. about the reliever, but you I, wanted a lefty. I wanted a lefty. I'm tired of the reverse splits. I'm tired of looking at And Mark. they've got a I, lot. I, they, I they've got a lot of kind of journeyman lefty guys. Right, that they brought in that they think they can. Pick they do. From. They got more left-handers. So they brought Carl Edwards back. I saw that. Great this, guy, really nice guy. Great story. I remember that story. That was a tremendous story. Remember him having the ball in his hands in the a very crucial situation. Slinger, right? That's yeah. Carl Edwards. Yeah. The string bean slinger. Was his was his wife not in the military? Wasn't there? It was like a really interesting story. I thought with his missus. I think it's, it has something to do with it. Yeah, I, I, it was. I, I don't think he's got much left, right? That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But relievers. But he was thing, like a young guy. You were gonna see great things from, and, and now he's a veteran guy. You never know with relievers. You know, the, we're talking about Hector Neris. He's thirty-four years old, and we think he's, the Cubs could get two more seasons out of him. He's been super durable over his career. Yeah, seventy or more appearances the last three seasons. That's good. The Cubs added good job, Molly. The the left hander is Richard Lovelady. Lovelady. <laughs> Who doesn't Richard Lovelady? Love a Lovelady. Driveline Pro Day. They were one of the teams scouting him, and he throws a, a nasty sinker, apparently, and maybe some ch good changeup. So Richard Lovelady is a lefty out of the bullpen. I think he has. Uh, looks like his picture is with the A's, so maybe he has some history with it, with the uh, Oakland Athletics or soon to be the Vegas Athletics. Um, and, and I have no problem if this is the case, but interesting question: Should uh, uh, Jordan Wicks be moved to the the bullpen? Would nope. it be nope. wise nope. to nope. see? I nope. you know I saw a guy on the South Side start out as a bullpen guy and develop into a starting pitcher who is uh, still alive on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Yes, Mark Burley. And I don't, I don't know why that should be forbidden for guys. If they're coming up and you're trying to develop them, 
you, you immediately are like, no, 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 <laughs> starting pitcher, starting pitcher. The game is changing so much, and guys are being used so differently they ever did that you're not really looking for people that can eat whatever, six, seven innings in a game. And, and when you're a young guy and you, your arm isn't used to putting in a ton of time, why not use a guy out of the bullpen and see if you can develop him to a point where you start using him more? I think starters are starters. That's where you make your money. That's where you, I think you make the biggest impact. You want five of those guys. You need six or seven. Jordan Wicks, to me, in a small sample size, mm. last year looked like a guy that projected into a top-of-the-rotation starter. I would not mess around with that. That's why. You know, former first-round pick, um, you know, done very well. Looks like he's on the way. Um, I don't – I got to tell you, I, I don't have a problem if you if you develop him in the way that you want to develop him. And what? I don't think there's anything wrong with using a guy as a as a starter um, and then an opener, whatever way you want to look at Everything's about alternatives. That's where we're getting to. It's well, going it, to be a, a, a league of openers. Yeah, but if you – Okay, if you sign Jordan Montgomery, hypothetically, fine. Jordan Wicks starts in the bullpen. But if you don't, then you look at your rotation. You've got Justin Steele. You've got Kyle Hendricks. You've got Jamison Tyone. You've got Shota Imanaga. And then you've got, what, Javier Assad? Maybe. You've got Jordan Wicks with Kate Horton on the way. Jordan Wicks, to me, projects as a guy who, if he continues his progress, can start the season in the rotation the way he ended last year. I like your Mike, Mark Burley reference, but, I, okay, you, are, you got a my blind spot. Every left-hander that comes into the league, you want to turn into Mark Burley because it worked for Burley. Because he, I don't think that's fair. I don't think I've done that with every left-hander. I'm talking about a Cubs team that has some really good young pitching on the way up, and you're trying to figure – I mean, really good. And you're trying to figure out how many innings you're going to get out of everyone, et cetera. Why not use them? You, I mean, you could use a lot of different guys in that fashion. They're not just left-handers, but you could certainly. You, Assad, you, you're the one. Assad. You're the one who said they needed left-handed uh, relievers. Yes, they do. So why not develop one while <laughs> on his way to being a starter? I think because I like Wicks specifically more as a starter, projected to be a guy yeah. that you can give the ball in the big yeah. game because he picked. He pitched in some big moments last year. He had some good starts down the stretch when they thought they were headed to the playoffs and they didn't end up there. I, I, I would hate to see that messed with. I would rather them see them, I'd rather see them get a guy who is a natural relief pitcher, a bullpen guy, and projected to stay a bullpen guy. Um, I love that you brought up the new reliever Love Lady and a texture chicks and Lady Love was a great song in the seventies. <laughs> You knew you're gonna get that. Would that be oh. when you bring him in, Lady Love? <laughs> that would be. That's gonna be his walk-up music. Probably would be. Hysterical. Why not? Oh, that's so good. That is really genuinely funny stuff. <laughs> Richard Love Lady. He did play for the A's last year, which Dustin was talking about. What he watched last night on television when he fell into a rabbit hole. I was flipping around, and you know what was on last night? I think it was AMC. Huh. Moneyball. Oh, that's a great movie. You can't turn it off. Yeah, you know what? I, I you think can't turn it that, off. That is one of those movies when it's on, you watch it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I know. You know what another movie like that, and this has nothing to do with baseball. You, do you know the movie The Game? 
Uh, it's like a, it, it, whatever. It's a good movie. And I was I was paging through something, and I somehow came on that. And I literally sat there for an hour watching that movie. I've seen it like 15 times. What am I doing? Uh, but that, I feel the same way about Moneyball. There are, there's something about that. I don't know what it is. It, it's some of the older characters, the manager. The way, the way it goes through it is so good. Yeah, because it, you also are trying to remember how much of the history you recall. Well, a 20-game win streak is not a World Series. It's but not. they do have a nice win streak. But Brad Pitt, or I mean Billy Bean, did make himself quite a career out of that mm. movement, that season, that – those the, no the, the approach it. to you know well, the analytics unique, unique situation where you're no longer spending money and you're losing all your players in Oakland and you got to mm-hmm. come up with some way of competing and they did a good job of competing and it did change why do you like it because he gets on base <laughs> pretty good that yeah, was pretty good it changed the way teams evaluate players as well and who is that supposed to be that that is supposed to be um they made up the character because he wouldn't go along with it. He didn't want to be in the movie. Um, the A's Andrew ex- Friedman, yeah. right? The A's executive or yeah. the former A's executive. Yeah, I just like the way Art Howe was portrayed as the grumpy, crotchety mm. old manager that was resisting everything. And who plays him? It's a great American actor died of an overdose. Uh, Philip, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Great actor. Great actor. Pity. Yeah, he's taken from us, or he, whatever. Brad Pitt was outstanding in that movie, though. Brad Pitt's great. In that it movie. Looks great. Yeah, I don't think he looks any different now than he did then. That was 2011. I haven't seen a Pitt movie in a while. What's his last movie? I don't even know. Yeah. I think I saw him in People magazine. Da, 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 da. Yeah, there's always some entertainment. All right, we've uh, we've got your calls. Someone wants to check in on this three one two six forty four sixty seven. 67, we're talking about some of the off-season happenings. And are you stuck without Bellinger? Is it now gotten to a point where if you don't have him, you're going to judge the season, upcoming season, differently than if you do? Also, White Sox fans, did you hear the latest? Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, told Crane Chicago that the South Loop possibility is a game changer. Love it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Here we go. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred is the latest stakeholder to get on board with a potential spot for the new White Sox ballpark in the South Loop. The stadium would be on the 78, which is 62 acres of soon-to-be-developed riverfront land. Crane's Chicago Business reports that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred believes the project can be financed without introducing new taxes, possibly by reallocating hotel room tax revenues and leveraging existing tax increment financing deals. While the MLB won't formally decide on the stadium, Cranes reports that Manfred mentioned indirect subsidies, such as deducting development costs from revenue-sharing payments. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That's our sister station, WBBM, their report. How about that? On what's going on with, uh, how, how what, about do we, that? what do we call it with the 78? The I know 78. Yeah, but I, I want I want to have a you know the the um, proposed South Loop socks. I mean, what do we South need? Loop Hitman? South Loop Hitman. Yeah, and that's my fear that we're going to find out there's a lot <laughs> of bodies buried in the seventy. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm so, just making fun of our history. It's a big development, I think. 
Al Capone. I think rat a tat tat. The commissioner of baseball telling Crane Bobby Chicago Cole. business that this is a game changer potentially for the Sox moving downtown mm. is significant. And all of a sudden, you know, Sox are like, hey, pay attention to that man. Well, rather than Jerry I mean, Reinsdorf, like, ignore that man. Well, they they clearly have Roger on a on a campaign to sort of uh, spread the good news. And I think he's a better front man for doing that. Um, Manfred? Manfred. Okay. I'm yeah. Calling Ra- him Roger no, yeah. Rob Manfred. Rob yes. Manfred. All right. They, 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 he's a better front man for information than maybe the, the owner of the team. No doubt about it. Or that the would chairman. That would be owner. wise because if Jerry Reinsdorf were front and center for this, I think a lot of Sox fans, and you could speak to this better than I could, would be like, yeah, okay, go away already. Well, you wonder if he was going to meet with the Nashville mayor about <laughs> right. it. I mean that 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 was a that was a almost final straw for a lot of it, people. It was I know. insulting. It was. It was just a scare tactic. Disingenuous, right? And it did not go over well. It did not. That that this is going over really. Yeah, well. because that wasn't that long ago. This was the same off season we're talking about here. The the faux meeting with the Nashville mayor, which meant nothing, nothing. Like, nothing, can we agree on that? Nothing. They have nothing. no plans of building a stadium. Coincidental, White Sox orchestrated and, nonsense, yeah. yes. posturing, leverage play, all that stuff. This is different. This is real. This, If it weren't real, first of all, the commissioner of baseball wouldn't be saying what he said to a Chicago media outlet. And also, as much as we've talked about it, somebody from the Sox organization would have been, eh, you might want to tap the brakes. Instead, right. you're getting the opposite. Well, and I and I got to be honest with you. Like, I love the idea. I hope it happens. I think that um, there are a lot of kind of good things connected to the idea of it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know um, how viable a project it is. I'm not sure... You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I get a little cynical about the White Sox because I've been following them my whole life. Um, I think a lot of people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. But so far, it's a great idea. The news on it is great. And you got the commissioner of baseball saying no new taxes. Th- these are all wonderful things that we're hearing. Now let's find out what the nitty-gritty is. Now when we get down in the weeds of it, what is it? What are you really saying? And how are you really going to do it? And let us know if it's feasible or not. And, and you know, Bruce told us this could come together quickly. Uh, you know, a couple weeks, a month, this could come together. He told us that like a week I ago. I wonder if this is going to be something that we get at least the parameters for or announcement about before spring training. Spring training, teams report two weeks from tomorrow. Within the next two weeks, that would fit the time frame that Bruce was referring to and certainly be consistent with the way news has been coming and flying around on this. It came out of nowhere a couple weeks ago. Very surprising. Stunning, really. And now it looks like, well, before spring training, we could get a little bit more clarity, and that would be great. That, that would be great. And the number one thing they need to say within you know, the third or fourth sentence or paragraph is how they plan to finance this and how this will be done without making a, in a, creating an additional burden for taxpayers. See, that that is the part that I think we're all waiting on. I, I mean, if you want to see that 
uh, if that is the case. And, um, yeah, this, some of these texts are pretty funny. They're just not buying it. Uh, let's try Jake. Jake's on the Odyssey app. Hi, Jake. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, Good morning. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I'm just chiming in on kind of the Cubs' lack of aggressiveness on free agency. I was just curious from the perspective of, you know, kind of how do you go all in on Shohei Otani and be willing to fork over all that money and not getting him done. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to get done, but then turning around and not wanting to use some of that money to get some position players, especially when you got a team like the Brewers going out and getting Reese Hoskins and guys like that. Thanks for the phone call. I think that's an understandable, natural reaction to the the pace of this offseason. I think that is what you look at. It started out with they mm. poached Craig Council, and they were in the Otani sweepstakes. At least we were led to believe. I don't know how serious that ever got. But now it's like, well, the Brewers got Hoskins. They paid $34 million for that guy. Where's Where's our first baseman? Where's our pop in the lineup? I'm going to preach what you guys told me to practice. Patience. Right. Got to be patient. Yeah, and and listen, um, they were in on Otani, but they did not sign him to that contract. They did not get Shohei Otani. Um, I don't know um, how disappointing that is for some people. I'm curious uh, to know that, but I I never – you know, it hit a point where you knew they weren't going to get Otani. You they were that. one of the many teams. It was a long shot all that along. Were play- yes. It was always a long yes. shot. And if you went into this offseason and that was going to be, you know, check a box, this will be a successful offseason if they get Otani, yes or no, I don't think that's fair because you can still have a good offseason without getting Otani but I do think it has to include Cody Bellinger. All right, check a box, yes or no. Will it be a good offseason if they don't get Bellinger? No. So he has That's to, my initial reaction. They, they have to get Cody Bellinger back in center field and playing some first base or wherever you want to put him. Yeah, he can also – he can DH. There's a lot of positions he, open for him. The alternatives aren't right now what I'm aware of, what we're aware of, better. They aren't even feasible. Not for a team that wants to contend. Not for a team that declared it will contend – in 2024 because they've got the best manager in the game according to his salary. So I'm going to have to check the box as we sit here this morning. No, it would be a not be a good offseason if they don't get Bellinger. Should they go out and try to get some kind of home run hitter? Say a guy is going to hit 40 home runs if he's healthy this year. If they, if they want – name a name. Who, who would that be referring to? Look, if they could package a deal – the Mets aren't trading Pete Alonso. Um, they're not going to do that now, I don't believe. Who else is out there with 40 home runs? Aloy. They're not going to bring back Aloy. If the Cubs are going to make a trade with the White Sox, it, it, it should be for Dylan Cease, not Aloy Jimenez. They came together. You could get them both no, together. No, package deal, throw Just in. Six of the top ten. <laughs> Aloy, if he plays. Prosper. And stays healthy, he says he's going to hit 40 or more home runs, just as you referenced. He said that in the Foul Territory uh, podcast. He's not healthy more than that. More than that. More than 40. That Now, you're telling that to AJ. Which will be you're higher? You're not exaggerating with him. Let me ask you this, Sox fan. Which will be higher in 2024? The number of home runs Eloy Jimenez hit or the number of games he misses? Wow. You, who once loved him, 
<laughs> you turned on him like I'm, not, I'm asking a question. I'm not providing an answer. I'm not leading you down a road or a path. It's a fair question. Home runs hit or well, games missed. Well, if he's hitting 40 homers, he's going to stay healthy. That's what he said. If I'm healthy, I'll, I'll hit over 40. I'm homers. wondering because I, I got him penciled in probably conservatively 52. at 130 games. He's going to miss 32 games. Is he going to hit more than 32 home runs if he hit, if he plays in 130 games? Oh, he'll hit 30. I, then, then, then he's going to miss more games than he hits home runs. 32 is a bit greater than 30, the score is learned. Okay, he'll he'll hit 32, all right? <laughs> I'll just mess you up in okay. your mind. Okay, that'd be equal. I think if he can play, and, and that includes whatever week or two he has to have off in the season because of a muscle strain, I think he can hit 30 home runs. That's the, that's, that's the metric I want to use with Aloy, though. He's got to hit more home runs than games he misses. So if he oh, hits 40. If he misses, if he misses 60. He's got you, you got it laid out for him. If he misses 60 games, it's going to be a heck of a year if he meets that standard. 65 home runs in 98 uh, games would be historic. Yeah. And unrealistic. I mean, what are we looking for from him? Honestly, 100 games? 120 no, games? No, 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 no. You're not looking for 162 games. No, you're looking for 130 to 140 games. Stay healthy, 135 games. That sounds like he's healthy all year, and they're giving him a day off. 135 games is should, but what you should expect. He's going to pull a hamstring. He's going to strain a, a tendon. He's, he's going run to run through a wall. He's going to, you know, do something like that. That's kind of a fluky. I told you they 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 did that thing where they had him coming in on cars, and he's sitting in the back of this car, and I'm like, someone hold on to him. Tie him down. I was convinced he was going to fall out of the car. <laughs> it's a and it's, it's opening day, and it's not absurd. No, I was genuinely this guy, afraid. This, Don't put this, him in this that This is the position. kid who spent half of his childhood in the emergency room. You would think, you know, everyone knows somebody like this. If he goes to the park, he's going to come home with stitches, or he's going to fall down the stairs. You know, Aloy was that kid, always getting injured, always finding a way. You know, he can't stay out of harm's way. That's the problem. All right. Uh, we've got Coach Wanstead. We're going to talk to Coach Wanstead. we got a couple segments with him. We're getting to some football. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Dave Wanstead, Bears head coach for six seasons. The Bears. The Bears. Super Bowl champion. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! He has the greatest mustache you've ever seen. Some say it's a symptom of manliness. Others a cause, the mustache. Money hanging out with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Open up the door, it's Dave. Who? Dave, D-A-V-E. Dustin, I, we're not going to waste airtime on that, okay? Thank Next, you. Question. Thank Next you. question. Thank, thank Next you question. Next question. Dave Wunstead. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We love talking to Dave Wunstead and... Uh, all of our guests appear on the score hotline, as does Dave, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I am good, fellas. Um, absolutely. Yes, uh, all's good here in Florida. Nothing, uh, nothing drastically new. Just um, watching some ball, trying to get a little bit of sun, having a few cigars. 
that's what's going on down here. Living the life, Dave. You're living the life. All right, let's start with Sunday. We can talk about who won, but let's talk about who lost first. What in the heck were the Ravens doing, ignoring the running game as much as they did? I think Lamar Jackson had two designed runs. How do you do that? How bad was the coaching negligence in that game? Well, it was about as bad as it could be, uh, really. I mean, I, I use the word, what was Baltimore's identity on offense at the end of that game? What was their game plan? Eight runs, you're right, David, the entire game. I don't think they ran the ball once on, or maybe one time on second down the whole game. And guess where they were at in running the football in the NFL? Number one. You're leading the league in rushing, and you come in and you do that. And then even the passing game. I mean, I'm going to lump it all together. The running game was just ridiculous. But I'm going to say the passing game also from the standpoint that, you know, they're running takeoffs, and the receivers are covered, and Lamar's throwing the ball, you know, five yards over the receiver's head. I mean, it was so disappointing. And, And I thought, you know, Baltimore's defense, they battled, they battled. Uh, they made adjustments the second half. Mike McDaniels, he came out the first half. They were playing kind of a, a, a shell coverage, keeping stuff in front of them, which worked. And then the second half, they became aggressive with the safety blitzes, Hamilton with uh, uh, Roquan coming, you know, some pressure stuff with the linebackers. Offensively, though, it was it was so disappointing. Uh, I, I, it really was. I mean, on, on a lot of fronts, but I think – I think we pretty much hit the the major points there, you know? You know, Dave, nonetheless, if they finish their drives, I mean, they fumble on the one-yard line and it's a touchback. They throw an interception into triple coverage. They had opportunities to win that game, but they didn't finish anything on offense. It It was stunning, a team that had been successful all year long, to make... And I'm going to be honest about it. Dumb, dumb penalties, dumb mistakes. They, they, yep. they lost. I mean, that was just poor picking up dumb penalties, stopping drives it, it by turning the ball over. It, it was just it was kind of an unforgivable offensive performance, given how they played the whole season. Yeah, and and given a team with John Harbaugh that goes into that category of name five teams in the NFL that have a a winning culture. Uh, Baltimore would come up every time as one of those organizations, one of those teams. Well, it, it, it didn't even resemble that. If I just said to you guys, okay, one team ran the ball eight times. They had eight penalties that made a difference in the game, and they had three turnovers. Who do you think won the game? I mean, they, they right. gave themselves no no chance right. because of what you just talked about, Molly, and and then the other things, too. I mean, just so, so disappointing. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it didn't give their de- – I felt bad for their defense because their offense gave them no, no chance. You know, it reminded me of the story I tell all the time, Bill Parcells. Okay, you know, these guys always want to run the ball. Uh, in fact, I would say, Bear fans, beware, beware. You're going to get an offense, offense to get rid of uh, the guy that was there because he was running Lamar too much. And let's get somebody in here that's going to open this thing up. Well, you opened it up. That's what you got right there, fellas. <laughs> 
let's look at the Lions, Dave, because I know Dan Campbell got to that point by following and trusting his gut. But it was the wrong decision, in our opinion, about the kicking the field goal in the fourth quarter midway through to tie the game. What did you think? And overall, how would you evaluate what Dan Campbell did and how he handled it afterward? Well, I, I think we have to, first of all, say, hey, they were they went for it on fourth down more than any team in the last century, okay, this year. Century, not in the last five years or, or last two years. In the last century. Uh, so that's what they did. In the last two years since he's been the head coach, that's what they do. So I don't think anybody was shocked. The disappointing thing, and I said this last week on the show here, I said Dan Campbell, the biggest concern I had about Detroit, if you remember, I said Dan Campbell getting emotional and making decisions, fake punts, going for it without seeing the big picture of the game. Uh, I can tell you this from being a head coach all those years and being with offensive coordinators, there's a big difference when you have a three-score lead as compared to a two-score lead, how you call plays. If you're thinking we got to score three times, you're, you're liable to get a team to go into it, a hurry-up offense. Let's go. You know, we got to get going. We can't be huddling up. We can't be wasting time. So, uh, you know, to, to me, you got to look at it from that, that perspective, I think. And, uh, and then I always do this thing. And, and, and I know, you know, the percentages are going to – the analytics are going to say, well, it was just as good odds. Okay, fine. Put that aside. But – my coaches would always say, Coach, what are we going to do? It's fourth and goal on the five. What are we going to do? And I say, do you know what I'm going to do? If it's at home, uh, well, let's talk about going for it. If it's on the road, we are taking the points. And I, I listened to four players yesterday from San Francisco, as you did, and probably all of our listeners did. It was Bosa, McCaffrey, uh, Fred Warner. And you know what they all said the turning point in the game is? When they went for the uh, went for it on fourth down and didn't make it in the third quarter, that was in their mind the turning point in the game. The crowd got into it; they got re-energized, and the rest mm. is history. All right, we're yep. gonna be we're gonna be right back with Coach Wanstat. We'll get into a little bit more of the weekend stuff. I have a question for you, uh, Dave, and then we'll maybe talk about how these teams match up, etc. There's a lot to get to. He's Coach Wants that. We'll be right back with him here on the score.